every day brings us closer. Closer to the moment when the next generation of NFL stars learn their destiny. And franchises try to lay the foundation for the next dynasty. With the first pick. This is First Draft. Now alongside NFL Draft Insiders Mel Kuyper Jr. and Todd McShay, here's Chris Brown. The NFL Combine is next week, but soon after that is NFL Free Agency. Mel and Todd, usually usually we look at free agency and we say, eh, maybe there's a couple guys that could really shift the way teams are thinking at their draft, you know. You lose a quarterback, um, but this year, as I, I was looking down, the, you know, the top 10 free agents, um, even the top 50, but certainly the top 10, there, there's a few names where you say, if they lose that guy, that definitely shifts. They, it, it moves them a little bit maybe off of the best player available, um, which everybody wants to stick to, and you think a little bit more about an obvious glaring hole in your roster. So the top 10 free agents, according to ESPN.com, this year, number one, obviously, Kirk Cousins, number two, Le'Veon Bell, Drew Brees, Demarcus Lawrence, Case Keenum, Andrew Norwell, Zeke Ansah, Jimmy Graham, Sheldon Richardson, and Jarvis Landry. Guys, I wanted to just hit a few of these and the obvious situations that could, the draft ramifications, if you will, of where these guys go. Todd, it's obvious that Washington has their quarterback solved. Alex Smith is coming in. Um, the idea that the that the Redskins could tag Kirk Cousins seems kind of like a faint possibility, uh, more just more just a discussion more than a reality. Obviously, this guy has huge ramifications. Whether he lands with the Jets, the Vikings, uh, the Browns, even the Bills, throwing it out there, the Denver Broncos, every single one of those spots has draft ramifications. Um, I guess I'll start with the question. Is there any possibility the Redskins are still looking for a quarterback, you know, later down the line? Alex Smith uh, turns 34 in May. Are they looking for a day two type? I think absolutely. I mean, clearly what this does is with Alex Smith, you've got your guy for the next few years. But we've said it over and over again. There's a lot of value in drafting a quarterback, whether it's in the third, fourth, even second round and and. Just developing that guy. See if he can be the next guy. See if you catch lightning in a bottle. And, and if if not, even if he flashes a little bit, there's there's likely going to be some trade value for him down the line. So I I think the Redskins are, are one of a handful of teams this year with quarterbacks 34 and older that are going to be in that market. And it'll be interesting to see with you know with this this quarterback class, the second tier guys, whether it's Lamar Jackson or Mason Rudolph. Or getting down to Kyle Lauletta from Richmond, some of these other guys, Mike White from Western Kentucky, Kuiper's guy. You know, I think those are going to be the guys on day two, early day three, that wind up coming off the board to teams that are are in that market. Mel, I'll throw this to you. Mm-hmm. Todd kind of hit the depth situation for Washington, but right off the top, if somehow, some way, Cleveland backs up the Brinks truck and Kirk Cousins likes the situation, ends up there. Does this give us the first chance that we see a running back taking number one overall since Kijana Carter, another Penn Stater? 
Yeah, you could. Uh, if they did go the Kirk Cousins route, then that's iffy because you keep hearing, you know, Minnesota, Denver, Jets, and a lot of other options for Kirk Cousins. Yep. But if they did uh, end up, if he did end up in Cleveland, then you could, could take Saquon Barkley at one. And then we talked about this a lot yesterday, and Todd and Chris, about the philosophy or what the angle should be. Uh, are you going to try to get a little cute if you're Cleveland and say, we can get a quarterback at four, take the running back at one? Because, you know, if you have two or three quarterbacks of that top group, bunched together with a similar grade, you could roll the dice there and say, hey, we're happy with any one of these three. We know we're going to get one of them at four. Okay, We can't lose them all. So all of a sudden, take Barkley and get the quarterback at four. If you feel one quarterback is head and shoulders above the other, and he's a guy that we have isolated as our guy, then you take him at one. He's a quarterback, and you got to have that. So it depends on how this all shakes down for John Dorsey, the new GM, and uh, how he feels come April 26th. They don't have a feeling on that yet. Nobody does. It's too early. But that's what I think they have to decide because they aren't one and four and they have an opportunity to really come out of this thing with a bonanza because they have a lot of other picks. So this is a, a critical draft for Cleveland. They got to handle it the right way, but I think it boils down to exactly that. How do they rate the quarterbacks? Are they bunched together or is there one guy ahead of the rest? The whole thing is just fascinating because how many, how many times have we seen a year where Kirk Cousins, Drew Brees, Case Keenum, you know, this number of quarterbacks sitting there and, and Tyrod you know, Taylor. Could, Tyra Nick, Taylor. Nick Foles. Yep. Yeah. So there's a, and listen, we all think that Breeze is going to go back to, to the Saints, but Breeze isn't getting any younger. And, and he's going to be, what, 39? Entering yep. next season. He's going to be 39 years old. So, you know, the Saints are, they have to be in some way, shape, or form in the market. The Patriots with Brady, uh, Pittsburgh with Roth, Roethlisberger. Then there's teams like, you know, Miami, because they, they, they cannot trust um, Tannehill because of the injuries and they're sitting there at 11 Mel's mock draft they got a quarterback and Josh Rosen to fall to him but there's a distinct possibility especially with trades teams like the Bucks at 7 the Bears at 8 the Niners at Raiders at, uh, at 9 and 10 with the coin flip that a team's going to be able to move in there so do the Dolphins try to package picks to move up do the uh, the um, the Cardinals. I mean, the Cardinals are looking at, at Gabbert and Stanton. Blaine Gabbert yep. and Drew Stanton is their, their top two quarterbacks right now. And they're <laughs> sitting at number 15 in the draft. There's not going to be a premier quarterback that falls to them at 15. Are they going to try to move up and go get their guy? So, Or are they going to try to work out a deal with one of these these other veteran quarterbacks? And Kirk Cousins or, um, again, I don't think Breeze, but Case Keenum could be a possibility as well. So the, this is, I mean, the next few months, I think we are entering a period that we have never seen before, at least in my career covering the NFL and the NFL draft, in terms of the amount of talent at quarterback that is out there to get and the number of teams that are in the market to go get one. Mel, you know, Todd raises a really interesting point, which is that there, there's the movement possibilities are here. One thing I'll bring up is that, as Todd said, a team like Arizona, um, you know, we, we talk about, hey, if Cleveland say Cleveland ended up with a guy like Cousins, they say, hey, okay, we can get whoever we want. And then maybe the Jets or the Broncos are thinking, oh, we're definitely going to get one of our guys at five or six. But that, that's not necessarily the case. As Todd brought up, who's going to go up? Who's going to talk to the New York Giants at two if Dave Gettleman says, you know what, I'm not worried about – Eli for another year. I'm not going to worry about that position. Who's going to talk to the Colts at three? Um, 
you can get up in front of Denver and the Jets again if you're one of those teams and, and get your guy. And suddenly maybe you could be the Jets and you only have the option of maybe the fourth guy on the board. Maybe it's, maybe it's, uh, you know, Mayfield, maybe it's Rosen, depending on how this shakes out. I mean, it's a fascinating situation. It is for this reason. I think it's a, to have to judge veteran quarterbacks, NFL quarterbacks, against this rookie class and try to figure right. out, do we want the rookie who has a red flag or two but has some upside and has talent? I mean, we're talking about guys who have a lot of ability. We thought Darnold was going to be – Todd, when we talked in August and after I saw him in the Texas game when he was, I thought, outstanding, I made a comment, I think it was on that Saturday after that following weekend that – Sam Darnold is the is the Andrew Luck of this draft. He's the number one guy. We don't have to worry about mock giraffes down the road. Let's put Sam Darnold at one and leave him in, lock him in, and don't even worry about it. And then all of a sudden, the Washington State game on a Friday Such night, conviction. the Notre Dame game, <laughs> the Ohio State game, everything changed that. Okay, when Sam Darnold. So all of a sudden, Darnold. Then Josh Allen jumps into the mix. Then we get Mayfield moving up. Saquon Barkley's always been number one on the board, the running back. But all these quarterbacks have been all over the place. And then Josh Rosen, he has the injury again. After a shoulder, then he has the injuries, the concussion protocol for 32 days and all that stuff. So these quarterbacks, you got to find a figure. Which one of these guys, which two or three of these guys, or any of these guys, do we like better than Kirk Cousins? Do we want to make a move for Nick Foles? Do we have the safer, easier route? I wouldn't say the lazy route, but the safer, easier route that would be like, you know what it would be? It would be like getting a par. You want a par? You want to get the eagle or the birdie? But are you okay with the par or maybe a birdie? Uh, Then you go with that route. Tom and I are both okay with a par, though. Okay, I'll, you're okay with a par. I'll take okay. a bogey. You, you, will, but if, a bogey. You go, if you go rookie route, you could have a double bogey. Okay? okay. You could have okay. a double now bogey. you're talking and, my language. I was like, do you want to you want to go that route and roll a dice as a GM and say, or or play yeah. it safe? The playing it safe route is Kirk Cousins. That's playing it completely safe. We're not going to hit the grand slam or the or the home run or even a triple. We're going to get a double. Okay, and Here's we're okay the with that. Here's the problem, though. If you back up the truck for Cousins, I don't think you can win a championship because this is a salary cap league. And you're about to blow your salary cap if you do it. And yep. I have been, I have not seen sixth, anything. It's almost a sixth of your cap. Potentially. There are six or, there are <laughs> six or seven guys in the league, and I yep. think we know who they are, who where you, you don't have to have ta- a lot of talent around them to win. And, and New England's been doing that with Brady for a long time. But in the beginning, New England had all that money because they were paying Brady nothing. Long short, if we've seen nothing out of Cousins in Washington to make you think that, hey, if we go devote this percentage of our salary cap and have to then cut back on all the other positions on this team, that we're going to be able to win a championship. He's not a guy that carries a team. And listen, I, what happened in Minnesota this year was awesome. Case Keenum, what an unbelievable performance. And he's only going to be 30 years old in 2018. But the Vikings are, are one of the, I would say, three best teams, top to bottom roster. I mean, I would put the Vikings, Jaguars, and Eagles up against any other team if you're talking about balanced, talented rosters in the NFL. Those, to me, are probably the three top teams in the league. With a Case Keenum, you can win with that. Jacksonville got to – look how far Jacksonville got in the playoffs with uh, Blake Bortles as their starting quarterback. 
So the point is, if if you're not spending money at that position and you're spending it at everywhere else and you've got a great team, great. But how you're going to bring in Cousins and pay him that kind of money and then feel the team around him. I mean, Cleveland's the only place that it makes any sense because they've got all these draft picks. They've got a bunch of young players. They've got nobody on that roster that's making a ton of money and they can develop youth around him. Other than that, I just I don't see how it makes a ton of sense unless you're trying to win for one year and and then you're in a lot of salary cap trouble moving forward. Yeah, it's a good question. Mm-hmm. Mel, to follow on Todd's point, who doesn't think that Cousins is worth, you know, a sixth, a seventh of your total cap mm-hmm. on a fifty three man roster, as we as we look down a little bit further in these in these free agency questions, let's look at a couple other quarterbacks. Todd mentioned it. Drew Brees is going back. He's going to be back with Sean, Sean Payton. They're going to figure it out. They, they got to get that deal done by March 14th, uh, just the way the cap works. But they got to get it done. What about Case Keenum and what about Tyrod Taylor in terms of possible fits? And I guess my question for you is, even if you add Case Keenum, are you still willing to draft a quarterback? You should be, um, I would think. Uh, Case Keenum, to me, Arizona, you talked about, I'd mentioned the two quarterbacks that are there. Do you bring in Keenum? You don't have that, that many options here. Uh, and then, Denver. again, in Denver as well. I mean, Denver, Elway's, you know, really, you talk about under the gun here. He's got, he's sitting there at five. He's been at Josh Allen's bowl game. He's been at the senior bowl watching Allen and Mayfield for, with his guys. So he's had a, a firsthand, he's got firsthand knowledge of those guys, those two quarterbacks. Uh, you know, he's seen all the other ones. He's got to assess that. Uh, you know, he took, you know, you talk about Brock Osweiler, that was the year Russell Wilson went in the third round. That didn't work out. Um, Peyton Manning won a Super Bowl because of the defense at the end of his career there. So he got the Super Bowl, but he got it because of the defense. I think they feel like, you know, if you put Cousins in Denver, you know, is that going to be a, you know, what we need? Is Cousins, is the Jets, and all these teams are there. Once that domino falls, once we know where Cousins is, it makes it a lot easier to figure out all this stuff. Nick Foles has to be evaluated by these teams to see what he's worth. Uh, and that's risky because it was a stretch where he got hot. Everything rolled his way. Uh, do you think he can do it over the long haul? Um, Keenum. Keenum, uh, yeah, again, I compare him to Trent Dilfer. He did what Trent did. He, you know, he managed the team. He did what he had to do. He made plays when he had to. He had the miraculous play and all that. Trent did exactly that and won a Super Bowl. Now, Keenum didn't win a Super Bowl. Trent didn't. Trent was let go after winning the Super Bowl. Just let go. Yep. And Ellis Gerback was brought in because they wanted to upgrade that position. Not a bad idea. Didn't work. Because Gerbeck wasn't the leader and the guy that was the galvanizer that Trent was with that team because he was the difference maker with that team and they were, and the players in that locker room respected that. But I understand what Brian Billick and that organization decided to do. They tried to upgrade and it, it, it worked for a year. I guess they got to the playoffs and then it kind of fell by the boards. But I think when you look at, at what Keenum is, Keenum had, had caught lightning in a bottle. He, he did a heck of a job. Can he build on that? Is there a ceiling for Keenum? Has he already hit that? And is he, is he, he is who he is. So if you believe Case Keenum, surrounded by all, as Minnesota Vikings personnel, the defense, which didn't obviously get it done against the Eagles, that pick six really hurt by Keenum, which a lot of wasn't his fault. He had a guy in his face. But the bottom line is, is Case Keenum, Kirk, is, where do you, is Cousins better than Keenum, Todd? Yes or no? Yeah. All right. So if Cousins isn't good enough to get you where you want to yeah. go, is Keenum with teams that aren't the Vikings? These teams are not the Minnesota Vikings defense. That's what I'm okay? saying. Trent Dilfer played for a Baltimore team had a heck of, had a great defense, an historically great defense. Everybody's not the Baltimore Ravens. That's why they felt like they had to get better at quarterback. 
Okay, I didn't agree with it, but you couldn't argue with it. Okay, you could see the rationale there, the reasoning there. Keenum to me is that kind of guy. It's safe, it's easy, but is it going to win for you if you don't have that personnel? And very few have the defense the Vikings do on paper. So I think you have to look at that. I just tend to think I brought it up. We talk about you know the Cleveland situation. That's a team you'd think they want to you'd think they want a quote unquote bridge quarterback. Um, you'd think they want a guy that could play the Alex Smith role that he played uh, for KC this last year when they had Mahomes sitting there ready, you know, a part of the future. Um, I just think whether it's Keenum or, or Taylor, it sounds like you guys generally agree that it's, it's that guy plus. Uh, you can see the Jets ending up with Case Keenum and, and still drafting a quarterback at six. You can see Denver ending up with Taylor and still drafting a quarterback at five. At least – I just don't. I just feel like neither one of those guys. Uh, you plug them into the depth chart to say, "Oh, all right, we're set." I mean, we used to call these guys stopgap. The they case? used to be called back in the yeah. day stopgap, and that's a guy that can you can get him in there, but you better have somebody yeah, lined guys up that get to free agency yeah. at all. <laughs> get him ready to get some. some you draft one of these guys, and there's a lot of interesting quarterbacks in this draft that could be down the road pretty good. And you know, I, I, you can get him in the second, third, fourth round. Some of these quarterbacks are going to go in those rounds, and some of those quarterbacks will be starters. And I think the most intriguing guy right now is Luke Falk. I think Lamar Jackson's very intriguing. Kyle Lawletta, Todd's guy at Richmond, the spider, is very intriguing. Mike White with his big arm. There's a lot of guys. Uh, Chase Litton at Marshall, becoming very intriguing. He's even drawing some comparisons to some quarterbacks that are starting in the league with his height and his arm. Uh, Chase Litton is a kid at Marshall. Keep that name down for the second or third round. Mark it down there. So there's a lot of those quarterbacks. Some will be double bogeys and busts. Some may be a a, uh, home run. If you can get them in those rounds and you save a lot of money, like Russell Wilson in the third round, save the Seahawks a lot of money. They could dish it out to other players. And then by the time he got to where he needed the money, they'd already won big. Can you hit strike gold like that with maybe one of those guys, a quarterback I just mentioned? One of those teams, somebody of that quarterback group, Todd, will you will be striking gold with. You just have to figure out which one it is. We hit the quarterbacks here. I want to, just because we have a few minutes left before we get into the AFC East teams, a little bit of a lightning round here. The other top free agents and draft ramifications. Yeah, there's a lot of assumption, Todd, that Le'Veon Bell will be back in Pittsburgh, but it dragged out a long time last year to the end of summer. I, you know, they know where he is. There's been durability issues over the years. There's been suspension issues over the years. I don't think they're going to mortgage the franchise to keep Le'Veon Bell around. That said, uh, Connor came in last year out of pit. Uh, the depth chart isn't a total train wreck without Le'Veon Bell. But could you see, say Le'Veon Bell is out of there. Is this a team that is thinking, I don't know, Sony Michelle type in round two? Yeah, I think that makes sense. You know, this, this class is deep, man. This running back class is really deep. I mean, when you, when you start to look at some of these guys, Nick Chubb, if it's not Sony Michelle, Nick Chubb from Georgia, both the Georgia guys, um, Rashad Penny from San Diego State, Carryon Johnson from Auburn. Has, no one's even talking about this guy, and he had a huge season like for him. Auburn this past year. Um, Mark Walton got injured for Miami, but really talented running back. Bo Scarborough from Alabama, who will be two years away from the injury, and, and we saw what he did in that three-game stretch a season ago, the 2016 season, in the college football playoff, the SEC championship game. Uh, he was he just completely took over, and he's a talented back. Kalen Balage from Arizona State, 6'2", 222-pounder, runs in the 4'4s. He's going to blow up the combine. He catches the ball extremely well. 
And, uh, you know, you're talking about a, a guy who may be in the late third round. A team like the Steelers could wind up getting a back like that. So running back's tough because you, you need difference makers. I get it. Uh, you know, 25, 30 times a game, they're getting the, their hands on the football for, for a lot of teams. But we've seen with backs, they break down quickly. And when you overpay them, it can, it can become heartbreak in a, a real hurry. And when you're looking out and evaluating this draft class, it's awfully tempting to say, all right, Le'Veon, I mean, he, there's no denying his talent. Obviously, he is he's one of the, the best backs we've seen in, in several years in the NFL. And I get it, but I just don't know what the, with the durability stuff and the attitude and all the other nonsense that goes into you know dealing with Le'Veon Bell – I just don't know how much money they're going to be willing to pay. It'll, it's going to be interesting. And then if, if it's not Pittsburgh, which team is going to decide, you know what, he's, he's the one player where we are away from, from one, making a real run at the title. Yeah, Steelers, and, if they're going to make, if they're going to make a run at the title and they, they feel like they can do it every year, Todd, they, the thing they got to get back to is Steeler mentality where it's, it's us, it's we, it's not me and I. They got a lot of me and I guys on this team. Of the key guys. It's all about, you know, Ben Rothsburg. Why am I hitting about retirement? Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown. This goes on. Too many I, me. It's about me. It's, about, I'm the guy. You know, it's a, it's a team. And then Pittsburgh, that, that's chemistry. Martavis synergy, Bryant was griping mid-year about his I mean, targets. It's just too much of this stuff. It's too much. Yeah distraction on his Pittsburgh Steelers team from what their goal should be. You know, it, uh, what wins the Super Bowl? Not I and me. So uh, I think that's, that's where you get back to the Steelers. I didn't like the, all the, the chatter coming out of there all year. It, it ain't going to work. It's not, it's, it, that's a remedy. That's a, that's a, a, a whole disastrous situation when you talk about if you're trying to win a Super Bowl, can you do it with that type of an environment? I don't think they can. They better change that environment quickly. I'm you interested know, to, to see to, too, just, just looking at this list. There's not a great, this is not a great, pass rushing NFL draft this year in terms of edge right. rushers. You got Bradley Chubb, and then there's a drop off. Marcus Davenport is a guy to develop out of UTSA, but you know, I don't think you can if you're a team that's one pass rusher away, I don't know that you can count on him being the guy right away. I think you have some work to do and he's probably going to take his lumps in during his first year of his career. You look out there, I'm interested to see what the market's going to be like. Demarcus Lawrence for Dallas Cowboys. He's probably have to franchise years old. because of that. Yep. Right. Young guy. Ezekiel Ansa. Guy can be an absolute stud. Still only 29 years old. Um, Sheldon Richardson from Seattle. So there's some, some pretty good pass rushers that are going to be available that, in free agency that uh, it'll be interesting to see what those, those three teams, Dallas, Detroit, and Seattle wind up doing with, with those three individuals. And if teams are able to get them on the market, if they, you know, if they don't get franchise tagged, then then who's going to go out and, and pay the big money for them? Worst year yeah, for the down, the worst year for down defensive ends I've ever seen. I, I don't I don't remember it being this bad, Todd. I, I mean, looking back, I'll have to check the grades over the years, and I, we will do that to try to you know get some historical definition to this. To how bad this defense? I'm talking about down, not outside linebackers. And Davenport plays on his feet all that, so Davenport's a combo yeah. guy. I'm about guys that are true down defensive end. None of these versatile guys. We got a lot of that. We always have a lot, but true down defensive ends that can rush the passer. It ain't happening. So we thought Sam Hubbard. Could 
could be the guy. No, he's not even close to what Bosa was. So, and you look, get into all these other guys along with our Arden Key was going to be a combo guy. He's kind of fallen back a little bit. None of the Ohio State guys set the world on fire even after Hubbard, which was Lewis and Holmes. So, you know, Chad Thomas at Miami flashes. So they're, they're out, if you want a true defensive end to put his hand on the ground and get after the quarterback and handle the run and, and do the job outside of Bradley Chubb, there isn't anybody. To Mel's point, it really is light. And Todd, you said it. Um, if you're the, if you're the Cowboys or you're the Lions and you're sitting there being like, man, I got to throw a ton of money at Demarcus Lawrence, Ezekiel Ansah, good players, but it's not like, you know, sustained superstars. But then you look at the draft board and you're like, who's going to get to us that makes up the difference? I don't see it. Go back and look at the, the averages. They're the three year averages I've always put together of the, positions and usually we have three first rounders and four second rounders and four third rounders of true defensive ends so you're talking about 11 guys in the first three rounds i i I don't have that on my board this year mel i can tell you that much no no, and the first round, it's you after Davenport, who's kind of a combo guy. He's not a true down defensive end. He can play on his feet, and he did play on his feet. So after after Chubb, and if you want to throw Davenport in there just to throw him in, there's nobody else that's uh, it was even borderline first when I did the mock number two. I didn't even consider anybody else for the first round, which is a rarity. And uh, and even outside line, but we thought Arden Key would be in there. He's not in there. Leighton Van Der Esch I put in the late first round. as a guy who can play inside or outside. I think it helped the Steelers if he were there at 28, assuming Rashad. Evans is gone. I have Evans going 19 to Dallas, who needs Evans because he, he can play inside, outside. You have Lee now with the situation there. You got the free agency situation with the other guy. So to me, Dallas would be a great fit for Rashawn Evans. So uh, I think you're going to see a lot of these linebackers like that because there aren't the defensive ends. And Evans can rush the passer from the outside. Van Der Esch. You're going to see you're going to see those kind of guys, Todd, because there aren't the true defensive. Yeah, Tremaine, ends. Tremaine Ed, Edmonds from Virginia Tech. There's actually a pretty good group mm-hmm. of versatile yeah. linebackers when you look yeah. at Edmonds, Virginia Tech, Roquan Smith. Georgia, Rashawn Evans, as you mentioned, Alabama. I mean, they're, it's a pretty good group, probably better. And even uh, Jerome Baker from Ohio State, Harold Landry's kind of that hybrid guy as well from, from Boston College, Arden Key you mentioned from, from LSU. So there, there are some versatile guys. Sam Hubbard, I, I guess he would defensive end, outside backer, hybrid as well. So there's a, guy, there I'll a tell lot you, of linebackers. A guy that I thought about putting in the late first, and, and I'll wait till Mach 3 because I want to see him run, if he runs four five five or better. And they utilized him, Mel Tucker did in a lot of ways. Lorenzo Carter of Georgia mm-hmm. could be a late one. And I didn't put him in there. I thought about it. I said, let's wait until the combine because it's all updated after the combine anyway. If he does, if he blows up the combine and he has that outrageous you know, eye-catching wow 40 and wow overall numbers, Lorenzo Carter is going to be in there. Nuoso at USC, Okoronkwo at Oklahoma, Teray at Rutgers, Armstrong at Kansas, Holland at Auburn. They're going to go because you're not going to get a defensive end. You're going to take these guys. Somebody's got to rush the passer in this league. These guys will get a bump, I think, just because of the bad defensive end group. Guys, we hit a bit of free agency and obviously the quarterback situation, the pass rushing situation. We're going to take a quick break and then – We will get into the AFC East going blow by blow on each team, the Jets, Dolphins, Bills, and the Super Bowl runner-up, New England Patriots. The New York Jets. Todd, the Jets are obviously going to get a Pro Bowl caliber player. We know that because they're drafting a number six. And in two of the last three years, they've gotten Leonard Williams and Jamal Adams to just land down them with them at number six. I mostly kid, but they do have at least the possibility, say they get a Kirk Cousins, maybe you have Bradley Chubb or somebody like that sitting there at six. Todd, is this 
if if it's not cousins, and again, you're not super high on that idea to begin with, but if it's not cousins, do you look at the Jets and you say, ah, there's no wide receiver that's going to fix this situation that Robbie Anderson's maybe our best guy at six. Um, and there's not another quarterback out there. Even if, even if you get a Keenum, even if you get a Tyrod Taylor, you still got to get your guy. Are you still thinking you just take the best quarterback that's there or would you, would you think harder about it than that? Well, I think for the Jets, they've got to make a decision, obviously. Are they, are they all in on one of these veteran quarterbacks that we just talked about? Or right. are, are they all in on one of these guys or two or three of these rookie quarterbacks that are coming out in the draft? Because you, sitting at six, you have to assume. You really have to assume that all four are gone, I think. If you're sitting at six and you didn't get a quarterback in free agency, I think that's kind of got to be your mentality if you're the Jets. Because right now, if if we decide, hey, we want to get one of these quarterbacks, I've got to find a way to go move up a few spots. I got to make a deal with uh, the the Colts at three, maybe the Browns at four. If the Browns took their quarterback with the first overall pick, and and go get the second or third quarterback off the board because Denver is very likely to. And you don't know who could trade up. We just talked about all those other teams that need a quarterback. Miami at 11, Arizona at 15, Buffalo 20, picks 20 and 21. You know, all of those teams are, are scary. And we've seen the last couple of years. Just about every quarterback that's been drafted the last couple of years has been in the first round. Teams have packaged picks and moved up. And teams yep. have made big jumps too. Kansas City, uh, Houston. We're not talking about two, three spots. We're talking about you know, moving up from 15 like Arizona would have to or 20 or 21 with Buffalo. So I think that's what you have to decide first and foremost if you're the Jets. Are we getting a veteran? If not, what are we willing to do and where do we have to go to get the guy we want in this rookie class? And I think if if it's not a quarterback, and I, I just don't know what you – maybe you trade back. If, if you get to six, the quarterback that you wanted isn't there or you addressed it in free agency because I – they need to get some weapons on the offensive side. They need running back. They need wide receiver. They need offensive tackle. They need offensive line. It really and is a really, no-name offense. I mean, look at their drafts from the last two – okay, last year, first and second round picks, defensive backs. 2016, yep. uh, first, and first, third, and fourth round picks all on defense. 2015, first – and third picks, all both on defense. 2014, two of their top three picks on defense. I mean, they have been putting all of their resources on that side of the ball, dating back to, I mean, I can go down this list to 2011. Every single first-round pick they've had going back to 2009 when they drafted Mark Sanchez. So you're talking about almost a decade of using your first and typically two other top three picks on the defensive side of the ball. And what's happened is they've gotten depleted on the offensive side. The offensive line's yeah. depleted. They don't have weapons. I think they've got to find some difference makers on that side of the ball early in this draft. Yeah, I mean, Todd, it shows. I mean, you're trading for Jermaine Curse as a plug-and-play starter in the summer. Mel, 
What do you see here with the Jets? Well, I think to what Todd said, you just don't have any receivers. Remember when Atlanta made that huge move up? You talk about nobody thought Atlanta, late 20s they were, and they moved all the way up to get Julio Jones. So, yeah, the teams can move up to get quarterbacks. They can move up to get anybody they want. But there's no receiver. Uh, Calvin Ridley, I have him going 15 to Arizona. It could go 16 to Baltimore. They love Alabama Crimson Tide players, obviously, and they need a wide receiver. So I think Calvin Ridley gets down into that mid-first round. No other receiver, really, in the first round, guaranteed. I put a couple. Todd has had problems with the James Washington pick, I had to force somebody in there. Christian Kirk, I put the Philadelphia at 32. I, I didn't like any of those receivers in the first round, but I forced two of them in. Uh, I think you look at it, Ridley, uh, yeah, he's not a top 10 guy right now. So if, if there's nobody there, you can't take him. So you might maybe want that guy, uh, you know, the offensive tackle spot. There, there's nobody there uh, you know, at tackle to take that early. So it's not, the tackles aren't being developed in college. Wide receivers are not being developed in college. That hurts the offensive side of the ball in the NFL. Hurts everybody. That's what's happening. Who's getting pushed up? These are all top, everybody's defense. The, outside of the quarterbacks, these are defensive players. We got a guard, Quentin Nelson, being forced up in there because he's a heck of a player, but he's a guard. Okay? No tackles. Okay? I got Colton Miller up there. I think Jaron Christian from Louisville will be up there. Miller UCLA Christian from Louisville, but not right now. And I think Minka Fitzpatrick, I had to the Jets. People took exception to it. They need a corner. And Minko was a corner. He will be a corner if you need him there. The team is safety, fine. He's a versatile kid. He's a great football player. But he probably won't be there at six for the Jets. So I think if you get Cousins, okay, do you take Denzel Ward that high? Probably. I wouldn't. That high. I'm like the 11th best player. I'm not taking – if you're picking six, you better get the fourth or fifth best player on the board. You don't get the 11th. So if you're the Jets, you're in a quandary at that point. What you may want isn't available in this draft. The Miami Dolphins. The Miami Dolphins were handed a quarterback in yesterday's mock draft. You can find it on ESPN.com. Mel Kuyper gave them Josh Rosen. Todd, quick summary on how you reacted to that. Uh, I know you guys talked a lot of this shop on uh, SportsCenter and, and various shows yesterday. But, A, the possibility that a quarterback could be there. And, B, do you buy it? Yeah, I, I, Let's put it this way. In a situation where you can't project trades, I right. completely understand. Because once you get past six, and and if you have Saquon Barkley going number two to the Giants, now you have the Browns occupy two of the first four picks. The Colts are in there at number three. And then you've got the uh, the Broncos at five, the Jets at six. So if one quarterback falls past six, after that, the Bucks, the Bears, the 49ers, and the Raiders are all taken care of. So now you get down to 11. So it made sense how Rosen got there. Rosen's going to have to really impress at least one of these teams and convince them that he's a better teammate and a more coachable player and loves the game more than what the – the noise has been coming out of UCLA for the last several months. I mean, that's the, really what it boils down to. So at the end of the day, he, I believe, honestly, watching his tape, he is the most pro-ready quarterback in this group, and he has the, the best arm talent, not arm strength, arm talent of this class. He can sit in that pocket, and he can dissect the defense. Does he have some weaknesses? Yes, he's not the most mobile guy in the world, but I, I think he is – your prototypical pocket passing pro quarterback you can have a ton of success in the NFL, but you've got to figure out what you're getting from your leader, from the guy on, on your team. And I, I think that that's what's 
these teams are going to ha- are trying to figure out right now. All these teams that need a quarterback from the Browns to the Giants to the Broncos to the Jets to the Dolphins to the Cardinals and all the way down. They're all trying to figure out who he is and if he's worth going up and getting. Yeah, let me and just say me, this. The Dolph- right, yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. Uh, always, it, 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 everybody seems to think he's a fifth rounder. He was 11th pick. Yeah, I, I'm amazed. Oh, I got dropped over. Yeah. I had a decision to make at six. We all, you all had to do it. And I know in a couple weeks out, I'm going to do it in three or four for weeks again when you do mock three. You decide, okay, what quarterback goes at six? And I, I, it wasn't just a Broadway baker because I, when I did this, Todd, I wasn't, <laughs> hey, let me just say this. Todd was saying that's Broadway. I didn't even have any idea about Broadway. I was, Seth Markman at ESPN. Okay. You would all know Seth. Great job at running ESPN and doing all the things he does there at ESPN with the football division. He texted me. Broadway Baker yesterday when he saw the bad Baker Mayfield in the Jets. So I said, and Todd said, oh, Kuiper's Broadway Baker. That's Seth Markman, Todd. Okay, so Seth came up with that for me. Uh, he, I kind of stole that from Seth, and I'm taking that a little further during the day because Todd was kind of egging me on. So I kept saying every chance I got to get on Todd's nerves. But Broadway, I either had this side with only Broadway Baker, or, Baker. So or, or, or Josh Rosen for six. Now, if I'd have put Josh Rosen at six, which I could have, it was just a gut feel, then I would have had Baker at Miami, okay? And it, right. I don't think anybody would have been having any discussion about Josh Rosen. And Rosen has to wow people over for that reason. But going to 11 isn't going in the fourth round. It, it's, not, it's, a, it's a high first-round pick. And, and we saw Ben Roethlisberger when two quarterbacks were, when three quarterbacks were bunched together in 2004, and we were splitting hairs there, Todd, between Eli, Philip Rivers, and Ben, Big Ben. Big Ben dropped to 10. Nobody traded up to get him. We thought, oh, yeah, those two guys went at the top, Rivers and Manning, with that s- s- trade, and that was at the top of the draft. And then all of a sudden, boom, 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 all these picks are being made. No Ben Rollins. And there's Pittsburgh sitting there. They didn't move. They sat to 10 and got him. So they were all the same. Their rating was very similar to those three quarterbacks, and that's what's happening here. So this notion they're going to all go up, nobody went up and got Big Ben. They kind of regretted it probably now, but he got to 10. Rosen's at 11. Settle down, people. For the Dolphins, getting back on track here, uh, I think, listen, they may, maybe a quarterback doesn't fall to them there. Maybe they don't move up. If you're a Dolphins fan, you're hoping that Tannehill comes back and can stay healthy for a full season. If you're a Dolphins executive, you're not trusting that, and you're, you're doing everything you can to, to get another guy in there to compete for that spot and to have a better situation if he does wind up getting injured again. I think this, though, if they stay at 11 with their needs, they get a chance to get a really good player and not have to package picks and go and move up. I mean, Quentin Nelson at guard is a possibility. I know, you know, I think he's he's the second best player. Probably not. But then you've got linebacker. You've got some some really good options there. Roquan Smith would be be an option there at 11. You think think Tremaine Edmonds is way, way – I put him at, at eight to Chicago. Do you think he goes higher than that? Yeah, I think, well, I, listen, it wouldn't blow my mind if he wound up being at 11, being there at 11. I gave him 10 to the Raiders in the last mock draft I did, but I think he could easily go in the top seven picks. I think he's one of the five, six best players in this draft. So, but, but that's what I'm saying though is Edmonds is there. Roquan Smith is there. You've got a couple really good offensive guards in this class. I just, I think that they're going to wind up getting a really good football player at a position that they need. If they just wind up sitting at 11 and uh, to me, I, I think getting a guy who can cover 
is going to be really important at that linebacker position because they've been getting eaten alive, especially by the Patriots, on a lot of underneath routes and stuff over the middle. They just, they've really struggled to cover over the last few years. The Buffalo Bills. Todd referenced it earlier in this pod, but the Buffalo Bills can do whatever they want, essentially. They're, they're holding back-to-back picks in the middle of round one. Mel, obviously, when you put out your mock draft, you can't project trades, so you give them at 21. Mike Hughes, cornerback, well thought of, riser out of Central Florida. Obviously, you need James Daniels, maybe the best center in this draft, along with Billy Price out of Iowa. Mel, when you were really looking at this mock, again, you can't mm-hmm. project trades. Did you think, yeah, they'll probably be there at 21 or 22, or did you think, hey, they could pull a... They could pull a Philly or an L.A. and go up and get their golf or their Wentz, do whatever they can to get. As Todd pointed out, teams drafting quarterbacks high in the draft the last few years, they've gone and got them. They haven't waited around. Yeah, and I think that's the team that obviously could. Uh, but like I say, you can't project. And the, the needs that I gave them, the holes that were filled there at corner is a need. Center, big need. Center guard. Interior of the offensive line, big problematic area for the Bills. And that's why I think Daniels would be a, a good pick at that point. Uh, price more of an early to mid-second rounder and out of Ohio State. So I think Hughes and Daniels, if they stay in pat there. But obviously moving up to get that guy. Uh, and there's and somebody could drop just a bit to allow that to happen. The guys that Todd was mentioning from Miami, I've all gone. So, you know, who's going to be active and not wait? We'll see. I think that's going to be fun to watch. But I think when you look at Buffalo, cornerback, linebacker, defensive tackle, uh, those issues have to be solved as well. So it's not just about the center position, interior of the offensive line. It is about some key areas of need on the defensive side of the ball. Hey, Todd, if you are sitting in that chair, you have the 21 and the 22 pick, and you say, i got to get up, I'm going to go get my guy, who is your guy that you think could be a fit in Buffalo? Because again, Buffalo notoriously, you know, we, we always hear, oh, you know, big hands, stuff like, hey guys, it all matters. It, it all factors in. Buffalo's one of those places where stuff like that matters. If you're in that seat, who, who are you going up for? Uh, I would say probably, to trade up, if I've, if I've decided to trade up, then, yeah. I, I'm probably going with Rosen or Allen. I don't know that Rosen would fit. Well, I don't know if that's the best place for he him. He doesn't want to play but, in um, Cleveland. Will he play in Buffalo? Right, exactly. <laughs> Might be Allen. I mean, Allen's used to yeah. the weather. Allen's got a big arm. Allen's, you can de- develop him, I, you know, but you're going to take some lumps early on because he, he yeah. needs work. But, um, you know, if, if Tyrod Taylor, if they've, they've moved on and it kind of seems like they have, right? Right. If that's not your guy, then then you got to go get somebody. And I'll be interested to see what they do in this this market in terms of free agency. Are they going to go get another another quarterback, or are they just going to sit back and, and wait in the draft and use those two picks? Because if you if you solve your quarterback position, and now you've got two picks at twenty, you know, uh, twenty and twenty one, or twenty, yeah, twenty and twenty one, you get an opportunity to get two really good players. I mean, I, that's tough to pass on too. But if you if you have to get a quarterback, you have to get a quarterback. So to me, when you look at like they could wind up with I gave him Deron Payne and, and Rashawn Evans. I mean, you can solidify two spots just like that if you yeah. if you hit on those picks. So I, I my gut tells me that they are going to find a different quarterback in the veteran market, and that they're not going to wind up patching these uh, putting these picks together and going up and in, into the top ten to get one of these top four quarterbacks we're talking about. 
And, you know, for whatever disaster it was, putting a cap on this, uh, Nathan Peterman, somebody in that organization, whether it was a coach or whether it was everybody getting on the same page, somebody in that organization, they believed during a time where they were in line for the playoffs to start the guy as a rookie. So crazy. I don't think that's purely politics. And it obviously didn't work out. The dude threw about nine interceptions in his first 10 passes. And I'm not really exaggerating. But, yeah, it was uh, – somebody believed it. So, to Todd's point, they might think that they have their guy still and that they just need that bridge uh, to put between him and starting. The New England Patriots. The last time we saw the New England Patriots, uh, Tom Brady looks pretty good. The defense looked absolutely disastrous, Mel. Mm-hmm. Um, they did not get carved up by Carson Wentz in the Super Bowl. They got carved up by Nick Foles. Uh, this was this the, the New England Patriots of the first two weeks of the NFL season were a complete disaster. There was the there was the opening night uh, just getting run over by the Kansas City Chiefs at home. Okay, you know that they'll figure things out, and, and eventually they did. But the, the line on the season was this was one of the ultimate bend but don't break defenses. They gave up a ton of yards. They got gashed a lot. They they did a pretty good job in the red zone, and it kept the numbers down. But again, in the Super Bowl, that didn't work out. Mel, you got to be looking at the defense here, right? You would think, and I did give him a defensive player, Dante Jackson, the corner from LSU. So a little raw, but he's got great recovery speed, and he will test off the chart. So, uh, you know, he would be, I think, in that late first-round mix, and he could be there possibly at 31, maybe gone. I mean, it's not guaranteed uh, that he'll, he'll be there because he's, like I say, he's going to test well. How does Josh Jackson from Iowa, productive, all those interceptions, ball skills, how does he test in terms of 40? We'll see. But cornerback with Malcolm Butler's situation obviously is a neat area. Pass rusher, we talk about that, but they drafted one in the fourth round, and in, uh, in Rivers. Uh, Garcia, the tackle they drafted out of Troy, was soldier status. Do they think Garcia can step in? So they got some guys, some young guys they drafted last year. Are they confident that they can be the the guy stepping in at that role and upgrading those positions? We'll see. But I think cornerback would be the area to address possibly in the first round. That's why I went with uh, the cornerback from LSU, Dante Jackson. What about linebacker, too. Todd? That was, a, that was a problem. Linebackers an issue. Pass rushers, Mel said. I mean, I agree with all the all the needs. I, I think at that point, thirty one, you you go back to just taking the best best player at, at a position that makes any sense. And I, I think, you know, cornerback absolutely makes sense in this this year's class, especially because of all the talent that we have. I mean, obviously Denzel Ward from Ohio State's going to be gone, but you know, you've got after that, you've got Mike Hughes from UCF, you've got Josh Jackson from from Iowa. You've got MJ Stewart from, um, from North Carolina. I mean, there's, there's some corners to be had in the second, third round as well. So I, it won't surprise me at all if they use maybe a couple picks in the first four rounds on, on that defensive backfield and, and try to make this a very much a defensive and offensive line heavy draft. I have to ask the question, Mel. It's Tom Brady entering age 41 yep. season. It's Brian Hoyer. Are you looking for – Jimmy Garoppolo was a second-round pick. Yep. I don't know if you're looking that high, but I think you're probably looking for another another guy to develop. Well, if they go second round or third round, I, I'll give you two names I think would be Patriot type of draft choices if they are looking quarterback. I think Kyle Lalletta. 
uh, in that second, third round out of Richmond, or Luke Falk. Luke Falk's hero, he's kind of modeled everything after Tom Brady. You see a, kind of that delivery, Todd, the way Luke Falk throws mm-hmm. the ball is kind of Brady-esque. Okay, and I'm not comparing him to Brady, saying he's next Tom Brady, but Luke Falk, cerebral kid, professional approach. I think he helped himself at the Senior Bowl. I think he helped himself when people talk to him, and they, and they get to know Luke Falk and what he's made of. And I think New England will see a little bit of that. And like I said, Brady's been his guy. He's kind of patterned everything he does around Brady, the way he manipulates the pocket. Mel, did you just call Luke Falk Tom Brady? Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Mel! Yeah, no, I know. That'll be all over Twitter today. Mel Kuyper says Luke Falk's the next Tom Brady. <laughs> you know, you know hey, hey, guess what, Todd? He's going to go higher than Tom Brady. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> you know? So true. Luke Falk has has you see a little bit of that He's in the way he goes about his business in the pocket and his delivery and all that. That's what I'm saying. Maybe the Patriots in the third round, second, third, fourth round area look at Kyle Lawletta or Luke Falk. He's definitely got Tom Brady's forty time now. You know, hey, Sproul knows those of Washington State Cougars better than, hey, you were the one said, we had I'm putting the over under, Todd, I'm putting the over under at about 515 on that. Yeah, okay, hey, hey, Brady was 524. And I like him. Brady was 524, so don't Brady's vertical jump was the lowest vertical, worst vertical I've ever had of a player I wrote at 24 plus, okay, Brian Mallett was right in there, ironically a Patriot draft choice as well, so don't worry about verticals and 40 times for quarterbacks. All right, let's hit a few uh, bits of mail here. Uh, hopefully I don't destroy another transition on this podcast. Let's get us out of here safe and sound, guys. Todd, the Sofa GM, actually at the Sofa GM. Well, I like that handle. About one for a hundred on those so far this year. Do you think the outstanding depth of the interior O-line class, that's his opinion, could hurt Quentin Nelson's chances at all going top five? His philosophy, his theory being here that, hey, I can get a really good o- interior O-lineman Later on, I'm not going to go that high for a guard. I don't. Yeah, I mean, I guess. The, yeah, I, I guess I think the position's going to hurt him just as much, if not more, than the depth. But I, I will agree that there is a lot of depth, and if you're sitting there, because a lot of times I think this is to a broader point, but a lot of times you have to look at this first round pick and say, all right, we like these two or three players. What can we get in the second round at, at, another, at the other position, let's say? Let's say we like two players. It comes down to Quentin Nelson and uh, Bradley Chubb. What's going to be available at guard from a value standpoint compared to defensive end? We already talked about defensive end. It runs dry. Sam Hubbard's going to be your best choice, and, and he's more of a hybrid anyway in the second round, whereas you can probably get a, a starting guard like a Will Hernandez early in the second round. So... Uh, yeah, I, I think to a certain degree, and I think the fact that it's a guard, there are a lot of people in the league that just absolutely will not spend a, a top 10 pick, and some people in the league who won't spend a first round pick on an offensive guard because of the purely on positional value. Mel, at J.R. Connolly asks, there's passing to tight ends and running backs obviously exploding all over the league. Who are some of the linebackers in this class that can actually cover who are going to be available? Well, I think you look at that and pass rush cover. I think you look at that combination guy who can do both. And I think Lorenzo Carter at Georgia, the way he was utilized uh, with the Georgia Bulldog defense within that scheme, if he can run in that four-five-five range or better, uh, he's going to be very attractive in terms of how NFL teams will view him. A guy that I think is going to be intriguing when you go back and look at Tate Todd is Durant's Armstrong at Kansas. Uh, you go by getting after the quarterback, you can do that. Coverage skills, Jeff Holland's another one. But Jerome he Baker. He didn't even I get think. invited to the combine, right? No, no. 
That's great. I mean, Isn't that crazy? It's crazy. Going back to the cover line, Jerome Baker from Ohio State will be a guy I think will fall into that category of a guy that you can utilize in that area. If you're at New England, need a cover linebacker. I think Carter from Georgia. Yeah, he's going to be a good second-round pick. Yeah, and Jerome Baker from Ohio State will be two guys uh, that would fit that bill. Baker dropped just a little bit from where I thought he would be going into the draft, probably more third-round guy. Uh, I think Carter, as I said, is a late first-round possibility. All right, I'll give you – I'll give you one more. You guys can each do it because we just hit Buffalo. There's Buffalo, Todd, Arizona, but at Troy Boy 84 asks, what do you think, if you could each pick a team, each take one, who's a team that sells the farm to get up into the top five to take a franchise player? Most likely, obviously, quarterback. Todd, are you sticking with Buffalo or, or maybe Arizona? I would say, yeah, I'll go with Arizona. I think Arizona. I think Miami is a team to, to to look out for. I think Miami believes that they've put enough around that quarterback position and that they're going to continue to get better on, on the offensive line and they've got enough on the defensive side to win, but they need to get a quarterback. And so I, it wouldn't shock me if they moved up just a little bit, if one got, let's say, like to number seven or eight. But um, but Arizona is a team that, to me, makes a lot of sense sitting at 15 with the need that they have with uh, – with um, Gabbert and Stanton as their as their top two quarterbacks right now, if they don't address that in free agency, I, I think they're a prime target team to move up. Yeah, I would say Buffalo, Arizona. Uh, and Josh Allen, I think, with his size and his arm and his big hand and all that. Uh, yeah, I understand the fifty six point two. And the the comp I did on Josh Allen, Todd, was Matthew Stafford. He was at fifty seven point one uh, last three years. He's been at sixty seven two, sixty five three, sixty five seven. Career sixty two. So this notion that if you're below sixty in college, you're not going to be over sixty in the NFL. Matthew Stafford proves that wrong. As a lot of other quarterbacks, I mean, yeah. if you go back in, you go back in the history, yeah. I can find a lot of them. I can find a lot Are of them. You, back, for, back. for every for every Matthew Stafford, I can find you about ten other guys. All right. Well, I'll get you. I'll get you a few here. Okay. Uh, Matt Hasselbeck. You can find you a Jake Locker. Yeah. Matt Hasselbeck was at fifty five six. Mark Brunel was at fifty two zero. Boomer Sison was at fifty four two. Jim Kelly was at fifty five six. Dan Marino fifty seven six. Brett Farr fifty two four. Drew Bledsoe fifty four three. Dan Fouts fifty point four. Yeah, Brett you're Collins, going back like seventy years, <laughs> Mel. Okay, hey, you're right. hold on. Hold Football, on, hold pal. on. You ready? Football. You ready? Tom Tom Brady, 61.9. Aaron uh-huh. Rodgers, 63.8. Drew Brees, right. 61.1. Matt Ryan, 60.5. Philip Rivers, 63.6. Ben Roethlisberger, 65.5. Russell Wilson, 60.9. Peyton Manning, I threw in there, 62.5. Eli Manning was just you went all the way back to Peyton Manning chase, Todd. What, what every okay? The first, the first seven names I listed were the are, are the seven best quarterbacks <laughs> in the NFL. Just kidding. Football's football. I'm just saying it's amazing how the game has changed. Where we look back at these Hall of Fame quarterbacks that were around 52 to 55 percent, and now we say Josh Allen's at 56 too. Oh my god! And, and he didn't have hey. Todd, and we both agree on this. He'd have been at sixty percent if he had those layups. Give him a few layups, he'd have been at fifty-six percent. I mean, he'd have been yeah, at sixty percent. You can make it. You can. Let's put it this way. You can argue. You can make an argument that he should have had a higher percentage, but you cannot argue that. And I like I like him. Don't get me wrong. I've been pushing Allen before you even knew he was on the face of this earth. Really, Mr. Kuiper. Really, but really? okay. Now he's going to steal Josh Allen from me. Okay. Yeah, but I, I just, I, you can't argue that there's inconsistency with his accuracy. No, I hate you, hey, you hey, But you say, Todd, do you believe that if a receiver gets his hands on the football, he should catch it? Absolutely. 
Absolutely. I'd like to live in that kind of world. All right. Raymond Barry always said that. The great Raymond Barry, who I watched when I was I a kid. I completely agree. With Johnny and Isaac. Contemporary. He, but now, Todd, it's, it's Shannon. This, this is what really gets just really irritates the heck out of me when you hear oh he wasn't he didn't put the ball right where it was it was a little off that's the one that's the one the court when the ball is there and the guy drops it because he didn't adjust he was he was looking to run for it and he dropped it wasn't perfect the ball when you got guys you know standing at a gun barrel you got three guys chasing you around and you got to find a receiver and you throw the ball and it's in the area and it's there and he's got his hands on it, it gets his hand Raymond Barry said if I get my hands on that bag on football I should catch it it's on me it's not on John Unitas that was his attitude I wish these receivers now who are not being developed in college. Four of the 56 have gone in the first two rounds the last seven years have been ones. The rest of them have been nothing but twos, threes, fours, and nothing else. Okay, So the college game is not developing receivers and offensive linemen. That's hurting the NFL. No doubt in terms of 80 percent of the pe- 80% of the people listening to this podcast have no idea who Raymond Berry is, my man. Well, well the good well, thing is, The best is wide receiver next- ever to play the game. Probably the most shorthanded <laughs> receiver ever to play the game of football. We're number 82 for the Baltimore Colts. He's a great man, head coach in the NFL for the New England Patriots. Hey, Raymond Berry said, if I get my hands on the ball, it's on me. I should catch it. I wish these receivers now would adapt that approach because it's too much about the quarterback, if the drops and this. It's on the quarterback because he didn't know to put the ball perfectly on the money. Really? Really? Kuiper, you're going to have a heart attack on one of these podcasts. Calm down, Kuiper. <laughs> you know, Todd, the bad news is that uh, Raymond Berry um, actually retired about 40 years before the first NFL Combine, so we don't have a solid 40 time on him. That said, next week, Kuiper will break down Raymond Berry's uh, height, weight measurements, obviously, as we preview the NFL Combine. It's really exciting. Bell, you love the Combine. <laughs> That's all I need to say. Todd and Mel, I'm Sproul. We'll do it again soon. Thanks for listening to First Draft. For more great podcasts, check out ESPN.com slash PodCenter.